0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America, NA member FDIC. Sub
1: to Reddit Podcast. Welcome to the Celtics Reddit Podcast presented by Celtics Life. Ben Vallis here or as I go by on Reddit, Brutal Gash. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're doing well. Coming up, Abby Chin, former Celtics sideline reporter and current host of the Celtics pre and post game shows for NBC Sports Boston, joins us to talk some Celtics as well as getting her start in sports broadcasting, her experiences covering the Celtics for TV, some scowl stories, Tommy Heinsohn and so much more. Plus, you know, we got some Celtics Reddit talk in there as well. So thankful to Abby for joining us for about an hour there, but without any further ado, here's Abby Chin. All right, welcome back, folks. It is now my pleasure to welcome to the podcast former sideline reporter and current host of the Celtics pre- and post-game shows on NBC Sports Boston, Abby Chin. Welcome, Abby. How's it going?
2: Well, thank you guys for having me. I'm excited.
1: Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. I feel like a really good place to start is with your sports fan heritage. So, you've had a number of different reporting roles in your career so far, including with the Portland Trailblazers, Pac-12, football, even with the Winter Olympics. What? The Winter Olympics?
2: Yeah, yeah that's right. I did uh, ski <laughs> jumping and cross country, and then there's a sport that combines those called Nordic Combined. That's
3: pretty cool. Oh, there
1: you go. Yeah. <laughs> so, what I'm interested in here, despite your many roles across the, uh, the sporting spectrum, what were your sports fan allegiances growing up?
2: I don't know if many people know this. I, I did. I grew up in Denver, Colorado. I did go to the university of Colorado with the Buffaloes. Um, but it's funny. I was actually just talking about this with my sister. So my sister grew up playing softball. I grew up playing soccer. Um, and my dad just loved sports. So we did, we went to Denver Broncos games. I am still a huge fan of John Elway. Um, but like I said, my sister playing softball, we just happened to be in Denver for the inaugural season of the Colorado Rockies and at that time they didn't have their own stadium. So they were playing at mile high. And so there was just a ton of seats, a ton of tickets available. I think we went to, um, you know, probably maybe 20 games and, and it was that inaugural season. So everyone was really excited. There was a lot of cheering in the stands. It felt like going to one of my sister's softball games. Obviously the level of play was very different, but, um, It was so fun. And those are some of my fondest memories. So I grew up watching, loving Denver teams. And then um, my first internship in college was at a local station in Denver. So I did, I got to go to uh, Nuggets games because back then the Nuggets were, you know, fourth on the totem pole. And so they sent the interns there. I got to hold the microphone in the scrums. Um, And the first one was for Shaquille O'Neal and the Lakers. And I just remember him sitting in this locker and being being massive. And I still had to, like, even though he was sitting down, I still had to hold the microphone like way up here. Um, (laughs) And so, yeah, he was such a massive human being. Uh, And that was also the beginning of Kobe Bryant. There was still a lot of talk. I just I have such vivid memories of talking to him being like, I don't want to compare myself to Michael Jordan. And it, it was just crazy how long ago that was. And so that was a really cool experience. But that's that's where I grew up. And like I said, my dad loves sports. Um, even through college, I would see him um, every Sunday and I would just fall asleep, hung over on the couch, listening to golf and like the mask. <laughs> <laughs> I woke up this, this supper time and I was like, "Oh yeah, let's
3: do this." I actually had a I had a question there, Abby, because I was talking to Ben before about this. You know, when you when you originally left, uh, or when it was announced that you were leaving NBC Sports Boston, I found myself reading your bio and found out that you were from Colorado. And so the thing is, I'm from Seattle, and a lot of my friends out here they're still shook about Dikembe Mutombo beating them in a the '94 playoff, so they all hate the Nuggets. And our <laughs> own Ben Vallis, for whatever reason i don't he's never really explained it to me but he hates the denver nuggets and i just wanted to say you know yeah. I, do. I wanted to find out have you have you let go of your your nuggets fandom do you still seek are you secretly a nuggets fan because that would technically make you and ben i think mortal enemies i just want to know that's right
2: <laughs> i'm not secretly a nuggets fan unfortunately okay. <laughs> um, i i think in this business that kind of runs out and then also um i haven't lived in denver since college since 2003, actually. And so um, not being able to see those teams and really follow as intently as I would like to, while you're doing all those other things, um, I have not been able to uh, be as passionate about those teams as I may have. That's good. once been. But who can hate the campaign <laughs> at Trumbo? Right, right. Come on. He's the <laughs> human being ever to walk the planet. I
3: was, <laughs> I was definitely rooting for him when he played the Lakers back in the early 2000s. So, yeah. I have nothing against it. Yeah,
4: yeah. It's probably just as well. Cause it would have been maybe a short podcast <laughs> yeah. and just pulls the yeah, plug out. <laughs> the Thanks Abby. Merry Christmas. See you later.
3: <laughs> Abby. Also real quickly. Did you, did you live in Seattle at one point? Cause I think I read that on one of your website bios somewhere.
2: That's how I got into the NBA. I, I lived in Seattle, but I worked, um, for the, it was Comcast Sportsnet Northwest at the time. They're mm-hmm. now boss or, um, NBC Sports Northwest now. And um, we moved there. My husband got into an entrepreneurial incubator program. We moved there from Alabama. So it was very different. Uh, <laughs> but we moved to Seattle from uh, Alabama and then Birmingham, Alabama. And uh, I got—I was just doing freelance, uh, filling in on a – they did – there was a radio show. And in radio, you know, they have really long breaks. And so to put radio on TV, you want to have something to come up in between. And so I was just doing that. And then that's how I got into the NBA because in Portland, it's the only professional game in town is the Portland Blazers. And so that was a really cool time too. I was there for Damian Lillard's first season when they drafted him. There was a crazy year um, Mm -hmm. when Nate McMillan got fired and Caleb Canales got named head coach in the middle of the season. And that was insane. (laughs) I love Caleb to death to this day. He's like one of the best people in the league, but uh, to name him, the head coach was pretty baffling, and then
4: um, what a of yeah, of from my mate yeah.
0: Caleb.
2: <laughs> He's wonderful. He just he he. I don't you know at the time he was um, he'd worked his way up from the video coordinator, and which I mean Spolstra's done. We we see that all the time, Frank Vogel. Um, but he and I, I guess baffling. I just say that purely from a media perspective all of his interviews were so short and um (laughs) I just I don't remember him saying anything like remarkable in any of them and he's such a great guy and I love him and it's it was just funny to think that all of that was just thrust upon him in this crazy crazy season so and then the next year they drafted Damian Lillard and the rest is history.
1: So we've got a question here from a Reddit user, Leetspeak, who asks, were you set on a career in the sports industry and do you have any learnings uh, that you can share in terms of getting from where you started to where you
2: are now? I, I've i told this story a lot. I, um, Growing up, I didn't have any idea what I wanted to be. I grew up watching, I loved the Today Show here in the States and wanted to be Katie Couric. And then um, I got to college and I took a sports broadcasting class and that opened my eyes. I didn't know that you could just do sports. And I thought that was amazing. I love sports. This is exactly um, where I want to be. And then I also did uh, some graduate work in print journalism. And and I sat on the city desk for the Denver Post. And that is hard news. You're listening to police blotters. You're um, answering calls and le- following different leads and... Um, going to house fires, going to city council meetings. And after, you know, a few months of that, I was like, yeah, I want to do sports. This is (laughs) where (laughs) I would like to focus on the happy things that are going on. in Um, the." And so uh, my first job out of college was at ESPN as a production assistant behind the camera at ESPN Classic. So they focused on long form documentaries. Um, And I just happened to get the job. I had applied for an internship two years before that. And they were looking for diverse hires. And so I, I checked that box twice being a woman. And then um, my last name is Chin. So I got lucky enough to get that call. And they called and said, would you want to talk? And I was like, no, I'm in the car. I'll be there like tomorrow. Where's Connecticut? <laughs> Can you just give me an address. <laughs> um, and so that was a really cool experience. And um, I eventually classic got absorbed. And I got to work on remote production. So I got to do like Monday Night Football, and um, the X Games, and the Women's NCAA Tournament, and so that was an incredible experience, but then I realized that if I was going to do on air, I needed to do make the jump sooner than later before I got too old to do it and too tied down. So um, the only station that called about my tape out of ESPN was in Montgomery, Alabama, which um, I don't know if people in... Australia know where Montgomery, Alabama is, but people I mean,
4: in New Zealand do. But that's just
0: the <laughs> <laughs> more geographically it literate
2: deep, out. Uh, And so, and I, so I was a one man band in Montgomery, Alabama, which was crazy. So SEC football down there is really, I think, the only place that um, I've experienced fandom. Equal to what we see here in the Northeast with the Patriots, mm-hmm. and the Red Sox, and the Celtics, it's just um, they care so much about those teams, and so that was a great experience. Um, only the only thing that dampened it was, like I said, I'm a one man band, so I'm carrying this huge camera around. There's like monsoons going on, running back and forth, and then I had to somehow figure out how to get myself presentable on camera to deliver this stand <laughs> <laughs> up. Um, and I got so I was making. Nine fifty an hour at that job, working part time. And I got laid off like three or four months later. And so thankfully, someone um, saw me at one of the Nick Saban press conferences and brought me to Birmingham, Alabama. Um, And so I got picked up there. And then we moved to the Pacific Northwest. And then that's how I got into the NBA and the folks here at NBC Sports Boston saw my work in Portland. And so that's how I got over here.
0: That's awesome. Interesting. It sounds like that's like the nature of sports journalism. You just get moved around, <laughs> traded around, almost like a player. Is, is it so, kind of like that with everybody else?
2: Yes, I think so. I, I think yeah. um, that was one of the things that I tell people is that you have to be open to any and all opportunities, and um, that's one of the things I think that was more difficult for me following um, being laid off this time around. Is that it's totally different for me. I have a family. I have two children who love we love our community my daughter loves her school and so it's not easy for me to you know if atlanta calls and they want to they want me to do part-time for 20 games i can't just pick up and do that this time around so.
1: Mm, yeah sure. Okay. So you, you've been with the Celtics as a sideline reporter since 2013, and a beloved face, beloved voice of the Celtics broadcast globally, you're on TV here in Australia, believe it or not. And I think most people listening know that earlier this year NBC Sports Boston had to let a bunch of people go, nearly 20 in fact. but in your case there was this amazing fan backlash, and a lot of fans were basically protesting or even campaigning to have you brought back. Can you like talk about what that was like from your perspective?
2: It was amazing. It was wonderful. Um, yeah. So I, I found out on a Monday, the layoffs, you know, they, they, we had us all, they called us all in and, um, not called us all in, but we were all kind of lined up scheduled and then told the news that was on a Monday. Um, and that was heartbreaking. I mean, I, I had my dream job. I have one of the best jobs in the entire world covering the best franchise in sports. I got to travel with the team. I was there every day and I tried really hard not to take it for granted. And so to have that kind of um, taken away was heartbreaking. And then the news broke publicly on that Tuesday. And and so then to see the response on social media, it was just so uplifting. I was so down and I feel like it just, it brought me back up and, and made me feel so wonderful and um, valued and appreciated. And it it was incredible. Um, but it did get to a point where it's too much because I had to mentally like realize that this is nothing's going to change. It wasn't, this was the situation. And I had to like mentally come to grips with that. And I was in denial until my last official day was October 9th. And the next day I just, um, I don't know. I went, I went to my husband and I said, we got to get out of here. We're going on a road trip. I can't, I can't be here. I can't be <laughs> in Boston anymore. We just got to go. So it was wonderful. And, um, and then to see the response now has been so great. We so, cu- I'm so thankful.
3: Yeah. We were curious. I mean, there's a lot of fans are curious about the situation. I I'm sh- imagine there's some things you're not allowed to talk about, but we were curious, like, did they, when that happened, did they tell you that, you know, maybe the door was open for you to return if things got back to normal or was it just like, yeah, sorry, this is, this is how it is. Good luck.
2: In all things of this pandemic, I mean, no promises were made. I I don't think anyone knew, anyone still knows, you know, everyone is still kind of uh, trying to figure things out at the last minute, considering this short off season, you know, everyone, everything's different. Everything is changing. It changes from day to day, week to week. And so, um, no, it was the NBC sports regionals were cutting sideline reporters across the board. They were just, they're not going to have sidelines this season at all. and so. that was just not going to be an option for me, and and um, while I have great relationships with those people, obviously, if Kyle hadn't left, I would not be back.
3: Yeah, we were wondering about that as well. So, I mean, when did you get a inclination that you might be able to return? Was it you know after Draper got that new play by play role, or was it was it ongoing conversations, or how'd that come come about?
2: Yeah, as soon as I heard Draper was leaving, and um, it was Scout. Scal- and I have the same agent. So as soon as I heard Trevor was leaving, I called all my bosses. I called anyone who would answer the phone. And I said, I want an opportunity to do this job. I think I can do it well. And, and I, and I want it. And, um, I had to audition for it. And thankfully it all worked out at least for this season. We'll see how it goes. Um, <laughs> and I'm just so grateful to be back and, and, it's funny. Everyone's like, it's like you never left. But those three months were pretty catching <laughs> for me. And yeah, so um, I'm really grateful and thankful to be back and excited about this season.
3: That's awesome. I mean, as soon as I heard that Draper was leaving, that was my first reaction. I think I had actually gone on Twitter and was like, well, now bring back Abby. She could be this new studio host. There's a role. A roster spot's <laughs> open. Bring her back. So it's awesome that it worked out for you.
4: Yeah, Man, yeah, no, that's like, it's like you had to grieve. You know, I like the, the loss of <laughs> Absolutely. Men. That's
2: what it felt like. Yeah. yeah. And going through that process. And so, and I think there are so many people around the world and so many people in the United States dealing with that, the job loss. And, um, and I'm no different than any of them, aside from the fact that I did, I had my dream job and I know how lucky I was. And so it was sad. Yes, it was, you're right. It was just really sad at the time.
4: Well, although it's your dream job. You know, I'm personally a little bit curious. I've, you know, we've got a run sheet here, Abby, and I've titled this section <laughs> How the Sausage Gets Made, possibly okay. a controversial uh, uh, naming of the topic. But um, <laughs> look, you can answer the, the, the questions, I guess, in your capacity as either your, your previous okay. role as a sideline reporter or, or, or as, a, you know, your studio host, you know, whatever. which hill like the Graham Nortons of, of, of Celtics Twitter. But, um, so say like the Raptors, uh, say they're at home against, sorry, the Celtics are at home against the Raptors on a Friday night. Like against the who? Let's just say the Raptors, for example. Okay. Okay. So when do you start preparing for that game, like how, what's the lead time? What, how does it work?
2: Well, you guys know the games in the NBA come fast and furiously. And so um, a lot of it is game day prep. But typically, so in my role as a sideline reporter, I would go to the shoot-arounds for both the Celtics and the Raptors, if possible. Um, And then, so that's usually around 10 or so, so from 10 to 1. And then um, I would do... Something with our insiders online, either on Periscope or Instagram Live or Facebook Live, whatever whatever was the hit at the moment. Um, And then I would go home and prepare, transcribe everything, all the interviews that we got, and then um, get ready, which takes some time. And then head over to the arena. uh, Usually for you know a seven thirty game, I'd get there around four or four thirty. And then once pregame starts, so uh, the home coach speaks. 115 minutes before tip off every game. Um, So once Brad speaks, it's like you're running and gunning. You talk to Brad, you talk to the um, away coach, and then locker rooms open 15 minutes after that. And you're in there for a half hour. And then our pregame show is going. So um, you're doing all of that. So it was a lot of fun, um, a lot of hustle and bustle. Now it is different being in the host role. um, I don't have, I don't go to shoot arounds and not to mention the pandemic. We can't go. So I do, I still am. still am logging into the zoom press conferences every day and listening and, um, asking questions. And then it, it is the night before I tried to get, um, a general, you know, a note card of, you know, starters, weights, numbers, where they are. And then, uh, throughout the day, just kind of adding little nuggets and notes that I want to keep in mind for the shows. And then, um, Now, because they don't even want us in the building longer than we have to be. So for, you know, a seven o'clock game, we have a six o'clock show. I'm usually there around four thirty, five o'clock and meeting with the producer. And then it's go time. So So, it's one of the mm -hmm. things that I'm most excited about this year is that we are going to have a number of different people in and out. We're going to have Big Perk for as much (laughs) as we can. It's going to be me and Scal. (laughs) But he also is calling games full time because um, of the loss of Tommy. And so he's got his plate full as well. And we have Chris Forsberg and Chris Mannix and the whole crew.
4: Lots of Chris's. Um, <laughs> yeah. The, so you kind of answered quite a lot of my questions there. Um, but, no, that's, that's great, you know. let's it's Let's, let's <laughs> as many birds with as few stones as possible. But um, what when you are preparing, um, like, what what are you kind of, like, looking for? Like, you see you're filling out that note card. you got weights. Oh, that was an interesting one, I thought. Um, but,
2: and weight so I can know like off the top of hand, oh, well, he's six inches shorter. Yeah, of course. Like that's not going to be a great match.
4: Right. For this so, yeah. What yeah. other sort of things are you like looking for? Do you have a particular like because you have to do this so regularly that you're going to have, I would imagine, some sort of in your head. You're like, oh, that's going on on my little my little note card. You know, what? what's what's how do you do it? How do you filter out?
2: as 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 you're reading through you know articles of the day and um or listening to something we also have um dick light who i will tweet about a lot he is like he's our stats man and um he is incredible and he gives us a stat packet for every game that is on air so the national games are different but he gives us a stat packet so i kind of pick some nuggets out of there i like um it depends on where our focus is obviously during this preseason a lot of Talk about Jalen and Jason. So I'm really digging for anything, any numbers that I can find to talk about them and describe where they're going, where they're headed, what changed about their games in the bubble. Um, It is very different from my role as a sideline. And I will tell you, you know, the first few years, so I did that for seven seasons. The first couple of years, I was at every press conference and I would have 10 to 15 stories that I was like going to have ready for every game. And I would type them all out on my computer and then I would write them all out on note cards and I would practice saying them and I had them and I was just ready. I wanted to be able to sell it for any moment. And I still remember I had a card about Vitor Faberani who for some crazy reason, my very first season. And yeah. And I had this card about him being ambidextrous that he threw a baseball with his left hand, but he, you know, shoots with his right or something like that. And, um, I never got that into a game, and I just remember staring at that card <laughs> over and over and waiting for Vitor to do something with his left hand. And I was like, "I got this! I'm I got." This. Um, but so over time, I have gotten a lot more efficient, and then also with the birth of my children, I have been forced to get a lot more efficient. So um, my workflow changed a lot. And and typically during the day, after shootarounds, I would call my producer and say, "These are some of the things that I feel like are the big storylines," and he would put his input. And then I was able to focus on three or four stories and, um, really kind of dive into that and decide how we were going to tell those stories. Uh, yeah. but it is different being a host because now you have to be aware. And then the other added element of that, uh, I can't just focus on three or four stories. I mean, you have to be, you know, it's the whole game and it's also the whole league, which I am obviously, um, staying up on and staying current on throughout, but, uh, the other added element is Scow, and Scow loves (laughs) to challenge you and and challenge (laughs) anyone and and it's one of the best parts of his personality it's also something a challenge that i am going to be dealing with all season long and so um i have to be prepared for that and so that is why i try to have as much ammunition on my little note cards as possible
0: as far as like your own personal routine goes uh, before the games or whatever like i don't know is is it something similar to a player do you like kind of like suck yourself up is there any like moment of the evening where you do like the kg thing and have like a Pb and j sandwich at a set time or <laughs> or something like that whether it's superstitious or just your own thing is there anything that you do uh, like no
2: nothing like that i do wish um I got in a game day nap every day i don't do that i'm not a good daytime napper and I think that would be really helpful with the kids because even when i get home like the the kids are up at seven, and it's go time, no matter what I did the night before. Um, and so, I don't really have that kind of routine. I will say, you know, doing my own hair and makeup that takes a lot of time, and so that is a very set routine that I am just trying to get through and bulldoze through and do as quickly as possible. Um, and and it is the same every time. But no, I don't do anything to psych myself up. I maybe, maybe I will, and maybe I should here in the pre and post game shows because, um, some of those post game shows go long. It's, it's helping us this whole zoom situation because in the past, the Celtics are one of the slowest teams because we have to wait for them to shower and get dressed. And then they will eventually make their way over to us in the post media or the post game scrums. And so, um, with the zooms and they got to get out of the arena, they don't want them there too much longer. So they're coming faster. So that's good. But the Post game shows can go long as you're waiting to hear from Jason Tatum and you want to hear about that game winning shot and all of that. And so it is a little different. I, I need, I'm, I'm open to suggestions.
4: <laughs> peanut, peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I think it's a good start. That's we'll put
0: it to oh, the bread, to community, they'll recommend a routine That's for a you. That's <laughs>
2: great idea. Actually, I should start just having one in my bag for post game. So yeah, like- yeah
0: it worked for kg
3: well kg was- would also bang his head against things maybe you could you know find something padded you can <laughs> slam your head against yeah <laughs> yeah right, right <laughs> i also don't
2: <laughs> want to make be you sweaty before so i like, true it's true, be- it. true. <laughs> <laughs> um, my hair of course <laughs>
1: <laughs> we've got a question here just going back on the scale thing this question from a reddit user ac fox 13 what's your strategy to calm scowl down when he starts getting heated um it appears to steamroll over the others on the air now and then and either doesn't notice or doesn't care uh
2: i saw this on the forum and i tried to think of what my strategy is and i unfortunately don't have one my strategy is to not get too worked up to
3: uh
2: not feed into that and not to um egg him on any more than is good for television and so i'm trying to gal and i go way back i mean he um we've worked together since it's been six seasons now for him my first year in the, in this role, he was still the um, was his one season as an assistant coach at golden state. So we've been doing that and, and it's been really cool to see him transform and grow. And he, um, you know, when we first started, he was coming to me and asking me for advice. And then, you know, he eventually got on Fox and um, was, and now has his own radio show. And so he's like, Abby, come on don't don't talk to me like that or
0: something. <laughs> He's
1: got a big don't head be now telling
2: me what to do. Yeah, we're <laughs> not. And so um it's been cool to see and cool to be a part of and now we get to i think develop our relationship in a different way and um I like that he pushes me. He challenges me and and I think it makes me better. And so I'm looking forward to seeing where that takes us throughout this season.
3: That's awesome. I'm a big Scal fan. Uh I'll just say in defense of Scal, not, not that he needs defending, but as far as him getting carried away, I actually met Scal briefly out here in in uh, Seattle, actually in Bellevue. He's from,
2: uh, he's from Enumclaw.
3: Right. Yeah, and so I was just I was at a restaurant. It's a little gastropub which unfortunately had to just permanently close and Scal sat down like literally right next to me and uh, you know, me being I swear, I'm the biggest Celtic fan in this entire state. If there's a bigger one, they should let me know so we can hang out. But Scout sat down, and I had to say, Scout, I watch all the games. I'm a huge fan. And then he was with his wife, and he just she just wanted to talk about the Celtics. So we sat there for about you know five minutes talking about like Jordan Mickey. And I, I got the sense that he wasn't going to stop unless I s- said, hey, Scout, you know, maybe get back to your your wife. So I actually had to cut it off. I think that's just his personality. He seems to be genuinely just, he just loves to talk about the team. And, you know, I'd love to have him come on the podcast and talk to him more. But that's just... That's, to
2: seems- talk hoops. And I unfortunately will not be able to sway him to get on this podcast. <laughs> that's fine. That's
3: so. fine. <laughs> That's <laughs> worth the <joke>. show. <laughs> so a couple more uh, questions for you, Abby, from our, uh, our fans on the Celtics subreddit. There was one from Leetspeak, uh, and you actually covered it. You're so good. You're covering all of our questions beforehand, but she was asking about your hair and my makeup and whether or not you did that on your own. But I just want to say something real quickly about her. Um, Leetspeak is she's one of the most popular members of the Celtic subreddit, and she's actually a moderator. She She's helping like clean up the riffraff and manage the game threads. And she's She's, <laughs> she's great. And she's, she's also Chinese American and she wanted just to mention that she loves seeing representation, especially in basketball, which has, you know, a huge Asian American following, but isn't, you know, it's often overlooked. And she just wanted to say that she, she really finds it empowering to see you covering the Celtics. I just felt like we should, uh, should mention that.
2: Thank you so much. And and I think it is cool to be that. And I think that's one of the most frustrating things when we talked about the layoffs was it was me and Sherrod, which is a big um, piece of diversity that I think they're losing. And, it was or that they lost at the time and I, I don't think it's to anyone's fault it was you know like I said the sidelines and then contractual obligations but um it that is really wonderful to hear and and I'm here and available and re- please feel free to reach out if you have any questions or um if I can be of assistance in any way to anyone um I do I I am not regularly on reddit but my husband is and so he (laughs) checks every time from time to time and and gets alerts if you know i'm like rising up to the top so we can see what what the conversation is about
0: smart man Uh, now now the hunt to figure out who (laughs) having husband. (laughs) husband i'm kind
2: of aware but um yeah i think that's really cool and i and i didn't grow up honestly um following basketball i mean i i loved all sports and i loved The NBA in general, and you know, always watch the finals. But I didn't really, um, I didn't grow up playing basketball and I didn't dive into the NBA until I got to Portland. And I'm just so grateful that that is where uh, my path led me because I think I love the sport. I love the personalities. I love the league and how progressive it is. And it allows athletes to really be themselves. And I think it's such a great place to be. And I, enjoy, um, working every day is different. And I know that it's such a cliche, but you know, you're never, I've never worked a day in my life.
3: That's awesome. That was another mm-hmm. question we had from uh horseshoe overlook. He was asking if you follow Celtics Reddit. So it's good to answer that one. And then, uh, pit, uh, pit IV 20 wanted to, wanted to know if there was anyone else in NBC sports Boston who might, uh, follow Celtics Reddit. He seems to say that he's, he's noticed certain co- topics that come up that he seems to think originate from Reddit, but he wasn't sure.
2: For sure. yeah. Chris, uh,
3: Chris
1: Forsberg is the number one suspect for me.
2: He, I don't know if he participates in anything, but I, I know that he, you know, he's savvy. He's, he's in there sometimes checking some stuff. Max Letterman. I mean, the, I don't know if he's the head of weird Celtics Twitter, but he has taken the mantle to give them a voice. Um, he is all over Reddit. And then uh, Mark is our uh, graphics guy. I, this is, This is bad. I should know their official titles, but he is a main (laughs) part of our broadcasting team. Um, But he also has, has an eye on it as well. I'm not sure anybody is actually like active and uh, firing back at some things, but there's no question we have. And you have to be aware of it because it's a big part of the conversation when you're talking about the team.
3: Right. Right. Of course. Another question here from club dog. He wants to know if you ever had an opportunity to call games play-by-play, would you take it? Have you had any experience with that kind of thing? Similar to kind of what Cal Drapers did?
2: I would absolutely. I I don't have any experience. And Scal and I joke all the time. I'd be like, so balls up. What do you think, Scal? (laughs) 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 I think that would be uh, helpful to to do my first broadcast with someone that I am very familiar with. Um, No, but I would love to take on that challenge. I think it's something that we don't see a lot of. And hearing that female voice in that role. And obviously one of my idols is Doris Burke. And I think that she's incredible and no one does it better better than her man or woman. And um, I think that that is a, as they like, as Brad Stevens likes to say, that would be a growth opportunity for me. I have not gotten that chance, but I would absolutely welcome it and be open to it and and love to um, learn and see where that could go.
3: Do you have an ideal role? I mean, obviously, you covered a lot of sports. You mentioned you covered the Winter Olympics. Is there an ideal role outside of being a host of the Celtics post-game show that you just would love to do someday?
2: No, I think this is it. I think um, <laughs> I do realize that the sideline role has a uh, life expectancy, and so I do. I always saw myself kind of transitioning into more of a host role, and I I um, love that, and I want to see what that will bring out of me and what we can do and uh, how much fun we can have. And, and I want to continue to grow in um, that role and in my profession. And then, I mean, from there, right, everybody wants to be Ernie Johnson. That would be amazing to be on TNT, just hanging out with those guys watching basketball. Mm -hmm. Um, But that is something with the layoffs and and it made me confront and um, try to figure out ultimately what I want to be doing. And I have to tell you, I did not find the answer during that time. Um, and I think that that, I don't know how much of that has to do with that. My life is so different now with the kids. And so you can't just pick up and move anywhere. Um, or Mm -hmm. if it's, uh, that for me, it's NBA or nothing because I just, I love the game. I love the sport. I love everything about it. And so, um, that was going to be a tough decision for me.
3: Uh, so, Abby, you know, I had a question actually around this. So, watching, you know, nationally televised games and sometimes I watch opposing teams' local broadcasts, I notice there does seem to be a bit of a spectrum on how much team-centric bias sport, sports broadcasters have. And the Celtics, you know, we've always had a, a long tradition of being on one end of that spectrum. There's a long tradition <laughs> dating back to Johnny Most and Tommy Heinsohn where Boston's obviously obviously presented as the, the good guys and then the other team's very much the enemy. So, I was just curious, like, what's your personal approach and you know, how do you try to maintain a level of objectivity when you're covering games? And how do you normally approach that kind of situation?
2: There's no question. It's a challenge. But the reality is that when the Celtics are doing well, or when the team that you're covering, whether whatever that is, and, and the fact that I am with them every day, when they're doing well, it's better for me, everyone's in a good mood. Everyone wants to talk, they want to, they're happy to answer your questions. They're happy to see you. They're not angry walking around all the time. So I feel like that's a big part of that bias is it's not necessarily that you want them to win every game. It's that it's, it's better for me (laughs) if they're doing well and playing well. Um, And so there is that I I have never received any sort of criticism from the Celtics saying that um, I couldn't say something or that wasn't Celtics centric enough um, but the reality is that is who our audience is. Being on the regional broadcast is our Celtics fans. And so it is our job to educate them about the team and, and take them behind the scenes, let them know. And that's how I viewed my role is to just let you know where the players, what they're thinking, what they tell us that they're thinking, um, where their minds are at so that you can have a better Understanding of of what they're going through, what they're experiencing in that moment, and so um, while I objectivity, I think is a tough thing to achieve in that role because you are so focused on that one team. Um, but I I love listening to Tommy Heinsohn, and I mm-hmm. love listening to um, I think it is a challenge to find that balance. And that is something that a lot of us struggle with. And it also depends on the franchises that you work for.
3: Do you find yourself at this point, having covered a team for so long that you feel like a fan, do you get upset when they lose? Is that something you try to put in the behind you or? Yeah. Abby are you one of us really? <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, I don't get upset. I've never cried over a loss. I do feel like, you know, when a season ends abruptly, how, um, two years ago in that final season with Kyrie that ended in the second round of the playoffs when, you know, the Celtics were supposed to go to the finals. I thought I was going to be riding on a duck boat with Mike and Tommy, you know, to have that kind of ripped away. It's not unlike, you know, on a smaller scale. Um, it did. I went through the same emotions with the layoff. I think, you know, it's just like something that was there that was certain that was going to happen. And then it's just gone. And I think that we're all, all kind of experiencing a lot of that during this pandemic. Um, but it—it it is sadness. But I haven't ever cried. Does that make me not one of you?
3: <laughs> no. it's <just> me. Mean- <laughs> I cry daily, but I mean, that's just me. You know? mainly, <laughs> mainly, Abby, the main thing is that we wanted to make sure that if you ended up, you know, if things hadn't worked out and you ended up, you know, sadly, in reporter for the Sixers or something, you would have taken the Anna Horford route and just kept tweeting about how much you missed us. That's all we wanted to...
2: <laughs> I think that's fair. I think that those loyalties will always be there. And I, and um, that's something I will say. And I, I have said it, the Celtics franchise is like no other. And um, I appreciate them so much for believing in me. Cause I, I wouldn't be here if, if I didn't have their support. And so um, I'm grateful to them. And, and yeah, I will always be a Celtics fan. I think it's, it's been too long. I've been, we've been through too much. So I'm in.
0: For sure. For sure. Well, I mean, we're about to start a season. So I guess we should probably just ask, like, what are your honest expectations for the group this year? What, what, how do you think we're going to fare?
2: My honest expectation is a championship, right? Banner 18.
3: That's the only correct
2: answer. I do think the East got tougher. I am excited to see where Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown go with this added responsibility. Now knowing and there's no arguing, this is their team, and this is this is on them now. And so um, we talk about it all the time. For Jason to get to where he wants to go, his his stuff is percentage, incrementally better. But I, I do believe he will be an MVP in this league one day, especially um, with the developments that he's made on the defensive end of the floor. I mean, the Celtics challenged him so much last season and putting him on the toughest guy to guard, and and forcing him to really take ownership on that end. And I think that that was a huge growth spot for him. And I'm excited to see where he goes this season. And then with Jalen as well, I think that's one of the most disappointing parts of the preseason is that everyone, including myself, really wanted to see him hit the ground running with this added responsibility. And, and it's a lot to thrust on a person, but my experiences with Jason and Jalen is that they have I will never doubt them. They have, whatever obstacles have come at them, they have overcome them. And so I believe in those two, and I'm excited to see where they can lead this Celtics team this season, whether that is back to the Eastern Conference finals or to the finals finally getting over that hump.
0: Mm, Yeah, for sure. That was a question from user Royal Ramble. This one's from Normal Worry. Um, Is there any player that's on the cusp of having, um, I don't know, a skill set or some sort of yeah I guess a skill set that's just going to be unleashed without anyone really knowing about I mean for example you know Baines just started hitting threes in the playoffs like just out of nowhere you know a couple of years ago is, is is there any player that you think's got that in their locker that's going to come out and surprise a lot of people do you think
2: I don't know who would be surprised I would say Rob Williams if he can figure it out and yes. dial in and pop in for every second that he's on the court and play with force and play with intensity hmm. I think that that would be a huge added element for this team and something that they didn't necessarily have in long stretches last season. Although he has injury issues, it just seems like every time that opportunity arises for him, something comes to grab him. And so um, I think that would be really big for this team to have that added depth in the front court. And I know that everyone is cheering for him. The time Lord, this is the time (laughs) for you. (laughs) Um, And I, and I really do hope I'm crossing my fingers for Romeo Langford and that we will get to see the potential in him that we know Danny Ainge saw on draft night. And we just, it was such a brief glimpse that we saw in the bubble and in the playoffs. And I think that um, if he can come out of this injury and be an impact player on this team, I think that that would be huge for this season.
3: That'd be great. Sure. Uh, Thoughtful Commons, user username Thoughtful Commons, says, Abby, as close as you've been to this team for several years, what's your biggest criticism of how the roster has been assembled and or coached? And I just want to note, I think he's trying to create beef between you, Danny, and Brad, so you don't have to answer this if you don't want to. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I'm not going to question people who know much more about basketball <laughs> than I do. Um, I think that I am really excited about the addition of Tristan Thompson, and it's something that we haven't seen on this roster. And it's something that I feel like I have t- talked about, you know, the lack of the presence of the prototypical big man. And while Tristan, uh, can stretch the floor and do much more than that, I think it's um, this physical force that they haven't had in the middle for a long time. And, and Aaron Baines is wonderful. And he is so incredible on defense, especially playing in a team defense, but uh, he just had some physical limitations that, you know, are, Realities no. and so Tommy didn't think- notice
4: any of those physical limitations.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, no, all of <laughs> yeah, I like, physical is not. <laughs> <All of> that- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and so I I think that everything that the Celtics have done, you see why they did it, and you see where why that decision was made, and and I can appreciate that. Um, it's so funny with. Uh, Frank Kaminsky getting released last week. My husband and I were talking about that. How crazy is it? That draft night, Danny was ready to throw in all the chips for that draft pick to then take justice Winslow. Like where would we be then? I
3: I (laughs) think one of those picks was Jalen Brown. So it's like, yeah, Yeah.
2: (laughs) no, absolutely. That was it. I don't know who did it. And that ended up being the Terry Rosier year. So they, they didn't move up and they ended up getting Terry Rosier, but, um, and then had, Yeah. And then got Jalen Brown the next year and that right would have given right. up those picks, both of those picks possibly mm-hmm. that were that turned into Jalen and Jason and so um I think that there's a reason Danny has the reputation he does around the league of being a guy who's not going to get fleeced, and I absolutely respect that and um no I'm not going <laughs> to criticize Danny and That's good. it's good it's
3: a good approach. you don't want to criticize yeah. him. <laughs> <laughs> Very professionally answered. Uh,
1: I have a question. I, I, my career is mostly focused around IT and technology. And, and therefore, I'm the, the go-to person in my family who will call me for IT support and, and stuff like that. I'm, I'm just curious with your role with the Celtics. Do you have like, people in your social life who are constantly trying to glean like, insider Celtics information off of you? And how do you deal with that?
2: Funny question. I talked about my husband before. So, my husband is a huge basketball fan. He grew up in Kansas, um, went to the University of North Carolina. Uh, and he is in a very competitive fantasy basketball league, <laughs> 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 like days before the draft creating spreadsheets and like trying to figure out how, who has the most games, especially at the end of the season when the playoffs are going. And if you're going to, which categories we're going to punt and you should punt and all of that. And so, um, and he, it's funny you say that cause he's, his degree is in computer science. He is absolutely the IT guy for all of his entire family and, and myself as well. Um, so yes, all the time he's trying to get inside info from me, but, and, and without fail, he typically ends up drafting at least one or two Celtics on his team. And so, um, but I'll be honest with you. I'm not very tight lipped. I'll let you know what I know, but I also don't know that much because (laughs) Celtics uh, don't want us to know. And, um, basically pretty much what you guys know and what's out there is what we know. And We don't, I mean, that's the reality is we don't get to watch practice. We don't get to see who's doing what we take little hints from who is wearing the green Jersey, the green starter Jersey, when we would walk into the gym and now we don't even get to do that. And so, um, I don't have much inside information. I wish I did. I wish I knew more about Ken knee. me. I would, see, I would that, care.
3: That's we amazing to hear because, we, you know, on on the internet, as much as we are, we'll see things on Twitter and forums where people pretend to be insiders so that are like, my mom's a Zumba instructor and her assistant's Danny Ainge, and this is what's going to happen. It's great to hear from someone who actually is tapped in and say, no, we don't know what's going on. That's all very in-house. So, appreciate hearing that.
2: Well, I, I don't know though. I believe the uh, internet rumors when it comes to like Rondo's hand, what happened with that? That was definitely at the trampoline park that he broke his hand. Those years back. But, uh,
4: <laughs> something that you might have some inside information about, or we'll assume you do, is what it was like working with uh, the late, great Tommy Heinsohn. What's your. If you were to tell a story that sort of encapsulated your, I guess, Feelings for, in memory of of Tommy, what what would it be?
2: You're right. And this year is so different without Tommy. It's, um, it's so strange to not, to just know that he's not going to be there. I thought about that the other night, uh, the first game back at TD garden. And, um, it was so weird because I was in studio. I couldn't be there and and not, not being there is Strange for me in itself. And then to not see Tommy on the screen, um, was really sad. Tommy, to me, and I have such a limited view of him because I did come along later in life. So I know Tommy, the broadcaster, I didn't know him as a player. And I didn't know him as a coach. I've just heard all the incredible stories about that. Um, But the thing that I love about Tommy is while he will have forgotten more basketball than I will ever know, he never made me feel less than he was always very kind, very respectful. And um, we talked about the support that I got from Celtics Nation and that I have from Celtics Nation, and that wouldn't have been possible without Tommy and Mike Gorman as well welcoming me in with open arms seven years ago, uh, respecting me and and actually making me a part of the team and making me feel like an important part of the team and that's something that I'll always be grateful for tommy for and I tell this story um, I was going on i was just i was super pregnant with my first child and so uh before I went on maternity leave, they let me work in the studio so I wasn't like clomping around on the sidelines, <laughs> waddling around on the sidelines, I should say. Um, and the Celtics were going on a road trip, so we were gonna be in studio and I saw Tommy in the media room and I said, Tommy, you're stuck with me for the next week or two. And he's like, What do you mean? And I was like, I'm coming in studio. It's it's the Tommy and Abby show. And uh and he was like, Don't you worry about a thing. We're gonna make great TV. It's gonna be wonderful. I got you. <laughs> and it was just so wonderful. You know, that's, that's the kind of teammate he was, he would, he was there and, um, for you, no matter what. And I think that that is something that's pretty rare. Tommy was one of a kind. And mm-hmm. so I, I really appreciate and I'm so grateful for the time that I did get to spend with him.
3: Awesome.
1: That's great. appreciate sure. you sharing the story as well. That's, I think that's a unique viewpoint on Tommy that most people haven't heard, you know, with all the publicity that's come out after his unfortunate um, passing. We've got a few rapid fire questions to throw at you here, Abby, before we run out of time, which we're uh, very much about to do. We've got just a few minutes left. So going to throw a few of these questions at you very quickly. And we're just looking for some short, snappy answers before we wrap this one up. So the first one's from user Rascal Mendes, who asks, what's the loudest opposing arena with the craziest fans in the entire league?
2: Um, I want to say Golden State, but I haven't been in the new arena when they've been good. But it was loud. Oracle was loud, and it was small, and they're on you. Oklahoma City is that way too. It's a small bowl, and it just feels like they're right on top of you. And then the band in Milwaukee. Those two playoff series back and forth. Maybe there are three, but there's there's a band in Milwaukee that's right behind where reporters sit. That mm-hmm. is especially
1: in the playoffs. Huh. Interesting. This one's from user Jag75 who asks, which Celtics player or coach would surprise people by how different their personality is away from the media spotlight?
2: I, I think probably Jason Tatum. I think that the view that we see of him is very, when he's actually answering questions and actually talking to people, he's, he's pretty buttoned up. But he's actually a really funny guy. Not, not one that we get to see very often, but what I hear from other people. He is hilarious <laughs> and... Um, always poking. And you do see him, you know, the Celtics, uh, when we used to get into practice afterwards, they always play around the world um, shooting games. And he does, he talks a lot of smack when things are happening. So
0: throughout your career with the Celtics, um, or I mean, probably before your career with the Celtics, who would you say your favorite Celtic of all time is?
2: Before I came to the Celtics, it would be Larry Bird. I mean, I think he's mm-hmm. the most famous and iconic Celtic. Now that I've been here, it's Tommy Heinsohn.
3: Okay. Yes. Yeah for sure uh one last question here sorry oh sorry sorry, go ahead no go ahead joe go ahead
4: (laughs) abby this is a very important question do you love and trust marcus smart
2: (laughs) (laughs) um i know i said that on a show i'm not i'm not sure i i would let him watch my children (laughs) uh (laughs) If I was close by, <laughs> <I don't laughs> have experience with children, but yes, I do love and trust Marcus smart. And that is something he is saying, uh, heading into this season that he wants to be more efficient with his shot. And so I believe that Marcus is going to, um, make some headway there.
3: Anything else you just want your legion of Celtic fans <laughs> to know about you that we just don't know. <laughs>
2: Appreciate you. Both of my children's birthdays are coming up. I had children at the absolute worst time of year. So anyone getting into this business, don't do that. <laughs> um, Sound <laughs>
1: advice. large
2: Yes. Of, of the season. Um, and then I would just say that Mike Gorman is also the most wonderful human in the world and um, mm. a true legend in his own right. And I'm so grateful that <clears throat> I'm still working with him. And he also has been one of my number one supporters and I i am truly grateful for that. So he's wonderful. Nice. And then just wonderful. thank you to everyone. I, I really appreciate it. I, I read the messages. I hear them. I have, like I said, I have two kids and I'm, I try not to be on my device at all times, but I, um, cause I'm trying to be present, but I do try to <laughs> listen and, see and read everything. And I really genuinely appreciate it.
1: Uh, that's great to hear well look abby i think we mm-hmm. can safely speak for most people when we say it's genuinely awesome to have you back on tv for the celtics i uh, hope you have a great season i hope the whole team has a great season in fact and thank you so much for coming on uh, this was a lot of fun thank you
2: thank you for having me anytime you guys really i'm here
3: thanks a bunch all right yeah. We'll yeah, hold, yeah hold
1: All right, that's going to do it for this one. Thanks to Jackson, Joe and Larbird33 for their stellar work as always. And of course, thanks to Abby Chin for coming on the show. Celtics' regular season tip-off is right around the corner. Until then, go Celtics. Peace.